Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Most gracious Heavenly Father, you, O Lord, have gifted us with your Son. And not only your Son, but you've gifted us with his words, and his words are alive. Let our ears be attentive, O Lord. Help us to focus ourselves upon your word. Help us to retain only that which is lovely, which is pure, which is true, which is the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, perhaps the most quoted biblical passage that we see in today's culture is that passage in which it says, judge not. We hear that a lot in today's culture, judge not. And it seems like it's the only scripture that non-Christians or the unchurched or the formerly churched are familiar with. But notice that when it's quoted at you, and it's usually being quoted at you, Sometimes we can be accused of being, you know, Bible thumpers or throwing the Bible at somebody. But interestingly enough, this verse, at least in my experience, is usually thrown at us as Christians, as believers. But when it is thrown at you, judge not, it doesn't even complete a full sentence from our Lord. Much less the the rest of the paragraph. It's just a soundbite that's thrown at us. And soundbite theology does not a disciple make. I guarantee that outsiders are familiar with, or excuse me, that outsiders are not familiar with, nor are probably many believers within the church aware of the context of judge not. And remember, context is king, as they say. Now, the context of our Lord and our king's words stem from Luke's account in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, except in Luke's gospel, it takes place on the plain. Now, that shouldn't concern us because it's common even today For someone to preach a standard sermon or to deliver a regular speech to different audiences. So, for example, it's about to be election season again. I guess it already is with so many people declaring their ambitions for the office of the president. And at a politician's speeches, they usually have a regular stump speech. The message is the same. The context, for the most part, is the same with a little bit of deviation. And the same is true with our Lord in both the account from Matthew and from the account in Luke the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Plain. The message is key. The message is the same. Jesus is coming to preach that the kingdom of God is at hand, and it's manifesting itself here and now in this broken world because it's Messiah, it's God, it's Creator, is walking the earth. And soon His faithful disciples will make up His body and will walk throughout creation as it cries out, rejoicing, the Son of God has made himself known to the children of God. And not only made himself known to us children of God, but through the children of God, through our living, through our proclamation in word and in deed to who he is and what he has done for us. Now, Luke's recording of the Sermon on the Plain is very similar to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. We have the Beatitudes, They address those who are oppressed by man, those who are oppressed by nature, those who have faith in Christ despite their oppression. These are the ones, the ones who are pushed down, who will be lifted up. The one who lack power, the one who are abused by those in power, namely in the context here, their fellow Hebrews who are empowered by self-righteousness. That's the Pharisee. Or it may be the ones who rule and who govern as the religious elite in the temple, the Sadducees. 
But Jesus also not only preaches to lift up the low, the Hebrews who are low in society, but high in their faith in God, but he also preaches against those who are established, who are lifted up in their own eyes, in their own minds, those who view themselves as being secure and empowered. And the way Jesus preaches against them is by several woes. And we see this, I won't read them for us today, but I encourage you to go back and look at Luke 6, the Beatitudes from verse 20 to 23, and then the woes in 24 to 25. Jesus is clearly judging the people who are listening and to whom it applies to when he applies these woes. It's a call for the people to whom it applies to to stop and to self-examine to judge rightly. For this is the point that our Lord is getting at. We make judgments. We must judge. We make judgment calls every day and all the time. Elsewhere, the scriptures call the people of God to exercise discipline within the church, to keep the body of Christ healthy, to hold each other accountable, to pray for one another. In other words, to judge but we are also called to discern, to judge rightly. And the only way we can judge rightly and rightfully discern in this world is by anchoring ourselves to the way, the truth, the way of life, the way of peace, the way of God, the way of Jesus. Else any other judgment or any other discernment is a false discernment and is really misjudging It'll lead us to the way of death, of destruction, the way of the world, the way of the same old, same old. But today, our Lord is calling us to judge rightly. But the warning, the warning that we're hearing today's gospel is to remember not to judge harshly, nor to place ourselves high and lifted up in the judgment seat of God. No, for then then we are not judging rightly. Then we will be judged with that measure, that standard that we have created. And this is the problem that Christ is addressing. He's addressing to those whom he's pronouncing these woes. He's chastising those who, like the Pharisees, would exact harsh requirements. They add to the burdens of God's law. You cannot walk more than so many miles in a day on the Sabbath. You cannot go and rescue your cattle, even though that is your livelihood, if it's fallen into a ditch somewhere. You have to leave it to die, else you'll be breaking the Sabbath. And yet, the Pharisees don't even meet their own man-made standards, that they're adding to the law of God that we recited together, the Decalogue, at the beginning of our service today. And we certainly still have Pharisees among us here in God's church and throughout even the world. But the cultural problem that we face today is a lack of judgment, of not judging rightly, both within the church and outside the church. But as the body of Christ, as the called saints of the Lord, those who have been called to be set apart, to not be like the ways of the world, we need to remember that our Lord and our Master, whom we are called to serve, is calling us and beckoning us, enlivening us, equipping us through the Spirit of God to become like our Master. For the world rejects God and therefore lives in lawlessness, lawlessness apart from the law of God. It pursues a false happiness 
instead of pursuing the will of God, which was revealed in his law and is fully revealed in his grace when Jesus Christ came living, dying, and rose again from the dead. And this law of God is upon the consciousness of mankind. And yet, naturally, we're born in this world rebelling against it, fighting against it, doing everything we can to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, to please ourselves, to make ourselves happy, to justify ourselves. Well, you see, when I said that lie, it was really justified. It was really more of a half-truth, you know. Yes, I know, honor father and mother, but look, I've got too many other commitments. There's too many other things i got to do, you know. I've got my own family to take care of. Flock of the Good Shepherd. The culture that we live in, that we're called to be light towards, not called to hate, but called to love and to be light, it will continually hurl, judge not, at us all day long. But they don't realize that they're actually fulfilling the parable that Jesus tells us two verses later in Luke 6, 39. Jesus tells us, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? And truly those who do not know the way of God, those who are rejecting the law of God, those who are rejecting the Son of God are rejecting the grace of God. They lack the Spirit of God. They cannot help it. That's why we are called to have compassion. We are called to help the ones who are falling into a pit of their own making, the pit of death and judgment. They claim there is no judgment, and therefore they do not judge. And yet by saying so, they're making a judgment claim by saying there is no judgment and there is no God. But what they fail to see, and what we need to have compassion on, because we too once were this way, is that because they are blind, that is why they are being judged. They are blind, and that's why they lack discernment to judge rightly. And we, calling ourselves Christians, being part of the Christian church, are called to judge rightly as well. Not to scoff and laugh at them for their lack of discernment, because once we were the same. We are called to a right judgment, not anchored to our own wisdom, to our own knowledge, not to man's so-called wisdom, but by the wisdom of God that he's revealed to us, that he's gifted to us, who became a person like us, Jesus the Christ. The wisdom of God who died for us, who died for us, so that he could accomplish the perfect fulfillment of the law that's been given to us, so that he may gift us in his resurrection through the Pentecost we celebrated just a few weeks ago, the spirit of himself, so that now, being illuminated, now that we can see, we live a life that's bearing his light within us and is spreading that light like a flame to those who are around us, Lord willing. Jesus' words in today, his teaching in the gospel today, he's destroying two enemies in one fell swoop in this gospel message. To those who want to add to the law, he condemns for being hypocrites because they're ready to pull that speck out of the brother's eye while missing the law that's in their own eye. And of course, if you think about that example, would he really want somebody who can't see quite clearly trying to, let me just help you, let me fix you out. The whole time you're, you're backing up probably, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're not really seeing very clearly. I mean, I've, I've got an issue here. You know, I've got a problem, a situation, but you're going to end up injuring me when you're trying to help me. And so that's why the Lord is saying, take out that log 
out of your own eye. So then you may help your brother and take out the speck out of their own eye because we are called to judge. It's a judgment call to judge. You've got a speck in your eye. I, let me help you out. But we're called to judge rightly. And if we want to judge rightly, we must be engaged in a holy pursuit and in a holy struggle to remove the sins that are in our own lives so we can properly discern and help the brother in Christ who are struggling as well. Now that second enemy that Christ is also dethroning in this passage are those who are condemning altogether God's righteous law, much less God himself. And so therefore both the Pharisee, both the unbeliever, share the same condemnation. They will both stumble into the pit that is the pit of Sheol, the pit of death, the pit of judgment, because they both mock God. They both are denying his gracious will and his gracious way given to us through Jesus, who teaches us this morning in Luke's passage. Now, I know this may sound harsh to itching ears, but it's because we'd rather fool ourselves. We'd rather deny God's will on one hand and then deny his grace on the other. And it reminds me of something that Bishop J.C. Ryle said. He was a noted evangelical, a bishop from England who lived in the 1800s. And he once said the following. He said, quote, I cannot close the notes on this passage. He's talking about this passage. He's like, I cannot close the notes on this passage without entering my protest against the rapidly increasing opinion that we may have the fruits of the Spirit without the doctrine of the Spirit. That we may have the fruits of the Spirit without the doctrine of the Spirit. He continues, he says, Nothing is more common now to define charity, kindness, self-sacrifice, and attention to others praised and commended by popular writers who make no secret of their contempt for all the leading doctrines of the gospel. He could have written this today. We have plenty of people who we know, people who are not followers of Christ, who uphold these fruits of the Spirit and say we should have charity, kindness, self-sacrifice. We should pay attention to others, but they deny the teaching of the Lord. They deny that God is God. They deny that we need a Savior because we can agree we need these fruits of the Spirit, but until we have the Spirit himself within us, we will constantly fail. Until we realize, I can't do it, O Lord. As Paul says, what wretched man am I? Who will save me? Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ. He's the one who will save me. He's the one who will equip me. He was the one who will empower me to live the life that he's calling me to live the life that he created me to live. But there's a mark of false holiness, both within the church and in the world. And this false holiness claims that one doesn't have to judge, judge not, we just need to love. But once again, this is a judgment in and of itself, demonstrating that the thinker isn't rooting their knowledge of love on an external truth. What is love? Is it just the way I'm defining love? So that when you do something I don't like, that's not very loving, that's not very kind, that's very hateful. That's a judgment. If we don't root our understanding on truth, on an objective truth of what is love, which is really the wrong question. Because the question is, who is love? And John reveals in his first letter, God is love. But instead, if we're defining and redefining love, so that in this false name and this false claim of, of don't judge, judge not, we end up forbidding God, his place as God, and our place as creature. We're 
actually turning the whole project upside down. We're not hearing from God what he's telling us to judge rightly, to judge fairly. We're denying our role to serve the Lord as servants of God to speak the truth in love unless we understand who is love, who is truth. And the person of love and truth is God himself, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's only by knowing him, that blessed trinity, do we really know what it means to love the way that God loves. To judge rightly the way Christ judges. To avoid walking in error, in sin, and even in death. And instead to walk with our Lord and our maker. And so therefore, since in this life that we live in, this confusing world that we live in, we must judge, then let us judge according to Christ according to his way, his will, his commands. Let us live lives that bear fruit of the Spirit by living according to our Master. For as he told us in verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. So therefore, let us resolve, O Christian, let us resolve today that by, through, and in the Spirit of God, by His grace, to seek to live the life of Christ today. And what does that life look like? Well, if we finish out the sentence that Jesus, that we started here, that Jesus says, judge not, we see that He tells us to judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. To forgive, and you will be forgiven. To give and it will be given to you. We must be seeking the kingdom, children of God. We must be seeking the kingdom. We must forgive within the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ, for that fulfills the law of Christ, for it is the love of Christ, the love of our Maker. And we hear this earlier. We didn't hear it today in the passage that was read publicly, but we hear this as well on the Sermon on the Plain. When starting in verse 27, Jesus tells us, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. As Jesus tells us here in this Sermon on the Plain, as he tells the Hebrew people, his own people gathered around him in verse 23, no good tree bears bad fruit. It's common sense. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is known by its own fruit. So let us be known by the fruit of the Spirit. Let us be known by love, not as we define and redefine and justify ourselves, but by the love of God, by the grace of God. Let us build our lives upon the judgments, not of our own, but upon the right judgments of God, our rock, the rock of our salvation, and upon the written rock that we've received as a gift, the written holy word. May we discern the fruits of the Spirit from the weeds of rebelling against God's holy commands. Let's flee from the world's confusion, the world's chaos, which is denying the truth of God's way, 
in exchange for being shackled to one's own passions, one's own desires, and one's own flesh and sin. Likewise, those who will judge anyone is they're too far lost. They're not worthy of the gospel. They'll never change. Remember that you too were once blind, but now you can see that God gave you, even us, his unmerited grace on such miserable sinners as you and I. Let us not measure our holiness and our sanctification against others or the person sitting next to us. Beware if we do that. And when we do that, we're not far from that Pharisee who prayed in the temple of the Lord, thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like that tax collector. Let us check our spirit against the word of God, the discernment of the God, to remember the Lord's words today, to stop judging ourselves against others and others against ourselves, because when we do so, we're condemning others based upon our own invented standard. And that false standard that we create that false standard of humility, of humbleness, we will be humiliated by on the great judgment day of God because we don't meet that standard. Either of these paths will only lead to a pit of darkness. But instead, little flock, let us be witnesses of the great grace of God through Jesus Christ, whom God the Father poured out God the Father demonstrating his love for his creation, for his sinners, despite our rebellion, despite our evil, despite our sin, by creating a redeeming, excuse me, creating a people of redemption that he creates out of his own grace, out of his own love, that he pours out for us to see and to remember upon the cross of Christ. To remember visibly as we're about to share together the Lord's Supper, the Holy Communion with God, as we see his body broken and his blood poured out, reminding us through the wine and the bread, being made real for us through faith, that we receive the body and blood of Christ, his peace, his redemption, his forgiveness, and yea, even his spirit. So let us now live lives full of mercy. Because the Lord starts this passage this gospel lesson started in verse 36, and it characterizes the understanding of this whole passage to be merciful even as your Father in heaven is merciful. These are the words that provide the context of our King. The context is our King, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ says, to judge not lest you be judged by the same standard. If our God is so gracious and merciful, so too should we be. Let us cling to Christ and his righteousness. That way, on the great day of judgment, we will be passed over and welcomed into the kingdom. Let us humble ourselves, and may we pray like that tax collector, the back of the Lord's temple, who can't even lift up his eyes because he knows who he is. And he prays, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So church, let us discern with the wisdom of God. And let us judge rightly in mercy. May we be reminded of this. And let us pray and hear the prayer of the collect of the day. O God, the protector of all who trust in you. Without you, nothing is strong. Nothing is holy. Increase and multiply upon us your mercy. That you being our ruler and God, we may so pass through the things worldly and not lose the things eternal. Grant this, O Heavenly Father, for Jesus Christ's sake, our Lord. Amen.
Thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast for this week. We're expanding our ministries at Church of the Good Shepherd and expanding our space as well in order to better accommodate our growing church family and also to minister to our children. If you feel led to give, please feel free to text the word SHARE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Or additionally, visit us at www.goodshepherdacna.com and go over to the menu item listed Donate to Donate Online. We appreciate any help that you can give, and we hope to see you soon. Come visit us on Sundays at 9 a.m. for Bible study and at 10.30 a.m. for Sunday worship. God bless.